Welcome to Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. I'm Tracy Brown, the fraud-busting body language expert. I've spent the last 20 years reading people, uncovering secrets hidden in plain sight to find the truth in crimes, politics, and billion-dollar business deals. And I want you to be able to tell whose pants are on fire, make better decisions, and build your bottom line as well. Get ready. Let's dive in. It's Tracy, and I am back with what I know is going to be another fantastic episode of Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. I got Ricardo Martinez in the house. How you doing? Hey, hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going good. It's so much better with your voice. Between you and <laughs> between you and, and my uh, producer, Alex, I am surrounded by velvet. <laughs> So, All right, I, I dig that. So yeah, so so here's the uh, here's the deal: is that you are a or were a nine one one operator. Now here, now here's the other deal: I never thought much about nine one one operators until a friend of mine became one, and she was telling me about the training that you all have to go through and all the things that actually happen. Uh, and you know, I'm I'm here near Denver. All the things that actually happen that don't end up on the news and. Um, but but more specifically, how highly trained you all really are to make sure the right thing happens for the right people. So, it, it, and I know also you wrote a book about it. So we're going to get into all this stuff. So Ricardo, first thing, what's the craziest thing, craziest story that ever happened while you were doing the 911 thing? You know, there are, there are many, many stories that I could tell you. There's one though, that really... Uh, sticks with me and it's it's mostly because of just how it went down uh -huh. so this call right off the bat we're going to hit you with something hard Let's do it and uh this was this was in the in the middle of the night and night shift <clears throat> excuse me was really uh my shift it was something that i loved did not like mornings and it was mostly because all of the more crazy or outrageous things happen at night right yeah. so this call comes in and i am I'm thinking that I'm listening to two women screaming because, you know, the the voices, you know, higher pitched, you know, more feminine type uh -huh. is is what it sounded like. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to get this information out of the person who's calling. And, uh, you know, we immediately we, we need that address. We need the address mm -hmm. right away because, you know, sometimes you know people would say, well, what if you had the phone number or, you know, that's it? Or what if they're just telling you what it is that's going on? Well, that's good and all, but if you're calling from a cell phone and you don't give me your address, how am I going to find you? Well, okay, Technology wait a is Okay, great. back up, back oh, up, because I have oh, a question. Struck then, a chord. And then you're going to keep going. Okay, hang <laughs> yes. on. So what I thought that police had special like locator ability with cell phones. So tell me about that. So if you, you, you think about TV shows, right? And mm -hmm. I think this is why a lot of times people think this as well, because we're groomed in a way watching on TV and movies mm -hmm. that people can find you right away, pinpoint exactly uh -huh. where you're at. But that's all drama. That's mm -hmm. not exactly the truth. And really, like now, technology is a lot better. There are companies out there that can mm -hmm. actually find you where you're at in that area. But when I was in dispatch, that really wasn't a thing. So okay. what we would have to do is if somebody is calling on a cell phone and we lose connection, we only have the location of the cell phone tower. Mm -hmm. We need to call to those cell phone carriers to see if they can find a better location for us. And oh. if they can, it's with it's within a certain range, like a certain mm -hmm. radius 
of where the person might be. Uh So that's how that actually, that's how that happens. And it's still like that in a lot of places. If you're not using this new technology that's out right now, Mm -hmm. it's still the same way. So you can sort of find where people are, but not exactly. Right. You can sort of find them, but not exactly. There's, there's, there's two different things that pop up. One Uh is uh, there it's called wireless phase one. And this is where there's no, triangulation of the Mm -hmm. the towers what is really it is is it's the address of the tower and it's miles of close to that area where Mm -hmm. the person might be Mm -hmm. but if you have wireless phase two this is the triangulation of these pinpoints of those cell phone towers and we're able to find you better like it's it's a lot closer but still, it's uh, within a, a radius of where you might be. Got That's why it. we always tell people, you know, know your surroundings. And if you don't have an address, some cross streets. Where are you close to? Some landmarks. You need to be paying attention when you're driving or when certain things are going on so that we can find you. I always tell people in my talks, in my keynotes, pay attention or pay with pain. That's what you get. So, okay, sure. okay. Back to the story, high-pitched voices, screaming, you don't know where they are. Right. So I'm trying to get all this information. And a lot of times when people are talking in these emergencies, you know, people are calling during their worst nightmare, basically. And so my voice is just like background. The person that I'm talking to, they're just, they're yelling, they're hysterical. And I can, if I need to i can raise my voice but still it's not going to make a difference because Mm -hmm. i'm background noise like i said so there's something that i learned early on where bring your voice down to almost a whisper and it kind of tricks the person to thinking is there somebody there and they stop they'll stop their screaming because they don't hear that background noise anymore and every time that i i would do this it would work and the person would stop and say hello is somebody there and then i would jump in get that location, get the name, get the phone number, those that pertinent information Mm -hmm. and start getting people out there. So this lady is telling me my, uh, my boyfriend's brother just committed suicide in front of him. Oh, he just shot himself in the head. Mm -hmm. And what was happening before that though, is they were all at a bar. They were drinking, they were together. And the, the brother that shot himself was, uh, he was dealing with a bad breakup, broken heart, and mm-hmm. just kept saying, I want to kill myself. I want to kill myself. I just, I, I don't want to be alive anymore. Mm-hmm. And they end up going home. The brother's standing outside and his brother walks out, you know, basically he's asking him, are you all right? And he's telling him again, I just, I don't want to live anymore. So the one brother goes inside, grabs a gun mm-hmm. that is loaded and brings it outside to him and gives it to him and says, if you're going to do it, go ahead and do it. Oh. Now he says this thinking that his brother's going to realize this is a dumb idea. You don't uh-huh. want to do this. Uh-huh. But it didn't happen that way. Oh. The brother took the gun and he shot himself in the head. Yikes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, so, so then what happened? So then as as this is going on, so this is the story that the the person is telling me on the phone, right? What I thought was a second female in the background screaming was that brother who had given his brother a gun. Mm -hmm. But he was screaming so loud because he lost his brother. He kept yelling, I can't believe he did it. I can't believe he did it. And was saying also in the background, I don't want to live either. So he ends up grabbing the gun and runs out 
the person I'm talking to, which is the girlfriend, she's screaming. I'm trying to get her away from him mm -hmm. and, and to get into a safe place. He runs outside. He comes back in, drops the gun and runs back outside. She ends up putting it away so that he doesn't have anything. You know, he doesn't have it. Right. So that he doesn't do anything to himself. Uh -huh. And I'm telling her this whole time, police, ambulance, everybody's heading out there right now. Just try to remain as calm as you can and try to stay away from him if he's a, a, a danger to you. So she tells him this. She tells him the ambulance is on their way. The ambulance is on their way. And this is wintertime. And this is something that I will never forget. And you're in is, Indiana. At this time, I'm in Michigan. Oh, Michigan. It's cold. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Especially, yeah, wintertime. Mm -hmm. So she ends up telling them this. And the, the thing that I will never forget is him yelling in the background at her saying, what the heck are the ambulance going to do? What are they going to do? My brother's face is all over the snow. Mm. And this whole time, because as dispatchers, we're impasse. We put ourselves in their shoes mm -hmm. to relate, right? I'm calm, cool, and collected on this call, but in the back of my mind, I'm freaking out right there with them. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of imagining, what what if this was my brother and I, uh -huh. that this is going on? So everybody ends up getting out there, and I tell her, you know, thank you for calling. Things are going to be okay. She says, thank you, and she hangs up, and I'm just sitting there, and my supervisor looks at me, and she goes, are you okay? And I said, yes, yeah, I'm fine. But that was, yeah, that was BS. Yeah. I was not fine. <laughs> it was, that is a hard thing. So the yeah. only thing that helped me process all of this was at the end of my shift at about five in the morning, I'm getting ready to go home. But as soon as I get to my car, I immediately call my brother mm -hmm. and I'm just waiting for him. And I just keep saying out loud, answer, come on, man, answer, uh -huh, answer, uh -huh. answer. And he picks up the phone. And he's half awake, of course, because it's five in the morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, immediately when he says, hello, what's wrong? I said, I love you, man. And uh, as a brother, of course, the response, he ends up saying, shut the hell up. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what is, what's wrong? What happened? Uh -huh, uh -huh. And I told him everything I told you. And at the end, he just goes, wow. He goes, I, I love you too. Mm -hmm. That's, that is what was uh, the only thing that would help me get through it was hearing his voice, knowing that he was okay. And then after that, I just I, I drove home in silence. Uh-huh. I guess so. Okay. Wow. So then did you ever find out how anything ended up? Or I mean, do you ever get closure as a 911 person? No, not no. all not all the time. So I can tell you another call where I did get some closure, okay. where I was actually glad that I did. And, and this is another one where it was, it was really difficult. I had this call coming in where I was helping a mom with her baby uh -huh. with infant CPR. Now the baby didn't make it. Oh no. Uh, one of the things that really destroyed me was, was really what happened during this call. But the fact that detectives were called out. Because uh -huh. then I started wondering even more, what the heck happened here? So mm -hmm. mom calls in and what had happened was, you know, mom had been working a lot of hours. Mm -hmm. Her mom came to watch the kids. There were uh, three kids, I believe it was. And, and, you know, the baby, of course. And so she goes, mom goes to take a nap. Grandma is in the living room with the kids. Mom wakes up after the nap. 
and comes out to the living room and looks at her mom, who's, you know, the, the grandma and says, where's the baby? Mm-hmm. And she goes, I laid her next to you in the bed. Mm-hmm. So she runs back in, turns on the light, can't find baby. Oh, looks onto the side, one of the sides of the, of the bed, there's a basket and the basket has towels. The baby had rolled off of the bed and was face down it into the house. towels. Oh no. Suffocated. Uh-huh. So baby was blue to the, and, and and cold, but we ask, do you feel like they're beyond CPR help or do you want to try? Uh-huh. You know, quickly we're asking this. And she goes, I want to try, I want to try. I'm like, okay, let's do this. So we're doing CPR on her baby. Ambulance gets out there. I get off the phone with them so that they can take over. And again, are you okay? Uh-huh. Like, yeah, no, I'm I'm fine. But I wasn't fine. And because I, I have kids as well. And even if you don't have kids, you know, when, when calls come in like this that have to do with kids, babies, whichever, it really does have an impact on you. So I'm sitting there and I just need to know what all happened. Now, I didn't know anything else, um, you know, to that point. And ambulance calls up they usually call for times and numbers to match everything for the reports and uh, i had been waiting to hear you know if maybe they were able to bring the baby back and of course they they couldn't but ems calls up and they immediately ask for the person who took the call Mm -hmm. which was me and i get on the phone and i said hey this is ricardo uh i was i was the one who took that call there and they said you know we just want you to know that you did everything that you could Mm-hmm. And when we got there, they were doing textbook CPR. Mm-hmm. And I I needed to hear that. I needed to know that I had done everything in my power yeah. over the phone, that there was nothing left to chance. And my supervisor, her husband uh, was one of the sergeants that was out there because they called detectives out just to make sure that there was nothing, you know, no foul play or nothing happened. Mm -hmm. So he ends up coming into dispatch and he sits right next to me and he says, what do you need? And I said, I just need to know everything that happened. Mm -hmm. Everything that I told you was what they, he ended up telling me. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of it, that was my closure. I was able to get through. Otherwise I might not ever know what happened. And it was just me. And it was just another call where I was giving CPR instructions uh-huh. and someone didn't make it. But this one, I was actually able to get that closure. But the majority of the calls, we don't uh-huh. get that type wow. of closure. Now, now you have a whole, um, I guess, uh, program. Like I am 911. Because like until really talking to you and talking to my other friend who was doing this, like I, I really didn't have any idea. So tell me, tell us about what you're doing for the community. So for, for the dispatch community, that is, you know, for, for them. And, and actually, as, as we're kind of talking about, you know, within the trenches and the podcast and all of this as well, all of that started out because of my own struggle with mm-hmm. a lot of these calls that I was taking, keeping them buried, sharing these stories was therapeutic uh-huh. and not only helped other dispatchers by feeling comfortable to share and talk about their stories, but it was also helping the public learn more about what it is that we do, that we're not just answering the phone, that there's a lot more to this, that a lot of this sticks with us. So 
later on 2016 at in 2016 i'm i'm already out of dispatch i'm three years out of dispatch i left in 2013 and 2016 these a couple big organizations were trying to get 911 dispatchers reclassified because through the office of management and budget they are under the clerical class with other commercial dispatchers huh. So emergency dispatchers are grouped in with, you know, clerical workers and commercial dispatchers, and we're not part of that protective class like police, fire, EMS, or even, you know, lifeguards and, and mm -hmm. waste management even. Huh. So one of the things that we're trying to do um, was share some stories to show, you know, proof the difference between emergency dispatchers and everyone else. And because of the fact that I had been sharing stories for so long, I thought, why not get into this myself and help raise that awareness? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to do it dispatch style, though. I wanted it to be in your face. I wanted it to be raw. I wanted people to just get a glimpse of some of these calls. And in the same sense, because a lot of people have said, I want to know the rest of the story. Yeah, so do I. Yeah, everybody does. Yeah, <laughs> right. There's a lot of people who do. So the readers of these stories, they actually know what it is like, in a sense, to get a glimpse, just a little taste of that call, that story, and then you're left wondering. So I ended up putting out one of my calls there. I created a meme and I just put, a, again, a little snippet, a little glimpse of one of the calls I took. And it said... I heard your last breath the night you flipped your four-wheeler. And then I hashtagged it, I am 911. Uh -huh. And I asked other dispatchers to do the same thing. And I also said to them, if you don't know how to create a meme, just send in the text and I will do it for you. My team huh. and I will do it for you. So people were sending in stories like crazy uh -huh. and, and, and just really opening up and sharing to let people know what it is that we really do. And stories were coming in actually from all over the world. It just wasn't in the United States. Uh, Canada was sharing theirs. They are 911 as well. So they were sharing theirs with I am 911. But then in the UK, they were sharing with I am 999 and Australia, I am 000. Mm -hmm. So they were sending in these stories and I was pushing them out there on social media as much as possible. And on Facebook alone during that time, back in 2016, I have a video out there that shows the analytics. And it was over 34 million engagements huh. of those stories uh -huh. that people were really getting into. Wow. So then um, what what are you doing with this now? What's What's the most current, I guess, way you're getting it out there? So the stories, I'm still sharing stories from September of 2016. That's how mm -hmm. many stories have come in and stories come in daily. And I try to put them out there as fast as possible. So during that time as well, up until this time, it ended up evolving into a peer support session that I do now called Imagine Listening. So at public safety conferences, I go there and I'm starting to do this at dispatch centers as well, but I go in and the attendees of that class for the first 30 minutes, we share personal I am 911 stories. And it is very emotionally intense. People get to write down a story and I'll read it for them, or they say it out loud in front of the audience. And this is also part of the podcast as well for people to listen to. 
And there's, you know, people really just pouring their hearts out, sharing stories that they had buried for so long. Right. And then the last 30 minutes is called open mic. And that is where we share the funny side of nine on one. Some of those funnier calls that come in that you hear about. And uh, so the first part is emotionally intense. And then we end with laughter because I'm a firm believer that laughter is good medicine. And uh-huh. Imagine Listening has also evolved into a book which is uh, imagine listening your worst days are every day. And this is a you know book one in a series of books that highlight these I am 911 stories for people to read and connect with and, and learn more about what it is that that dispatch does. Sure. Now, what are some of the funny stories? So some of the funny stories when I <laughs> when I first started out uh, in dispatch, I started out in central Florida. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, because I... nothing goes wrong in Florida. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, you know, when I first moved, uh, actually, I, I can't even say moved. When I first went to Florida, mm-hmm. I went to visit. It was only supposed to be a two week stay, a two week visit with my mom, my grandmother and my sisters. And it turned into an almost four year stay. Mm. I started my dispatching career there. So I didn't even live there yet. I just went to visit and uh-huh. I ended up staying and uh and and started everything out there so one night i have a uh, an officer who's out assisting a deputy on a traffic stop on a person who had gotten uh pulled over and they had a warrant and the person took off running Mm -hmm. so they've got a canine out there and they're searching and searching they end up coming in and the person is just drenched and i asked what happened and they said you won't believe this So what happened was this guy takes off running, right? And the dog, the uh, the canine, ends up going to behind this house. Uh There is a pool, an above-ground pool in the back, and is just barking at the pool. Uh It's the middle of the night, and the officers are looking and thinking, "What is the dog doing?" Like I don't, I don't understand. So they they leave, like they lead it a different way. Uh They're walking around, and the dog comes back, and. They're still looking at the pool. Again, this is nighttime. Well, they look closer at the water, and there's a straw that is above the water. No! The suspect was in the pool. (laughs) (laughs) Breathing through a straw. That's an old ninja thing. That's like a really, really old ninja thing. Yeah, That's like some MacGyver stuff. Like, who -hmm. who carries a straw? Yeah, what was it like like one of those straws that kills the turtles now? Like, what kind of... I have no idea. (laughs) This was years and years and years ago, but Uh that's just, that's just one of them. I mean, there's, there's things that happen or calls that come in to dispatch where you end up thinking for a moment, is this real life? And, Uh and it is. (laughs) Oh my gosh. What other fun, you got one more funny one. Come on. Yeah. So, you know, another one that I will, I will never forget. And I have to preface this right away with, you know, d- domestic stuff is 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 not funny, right? right? It's it's not funny at all. But this call was it was a verbal domestic. There was no physical violence or anything. Uh-huh. It was just two people arguing. Mm-hmm. And when I answer the phone, what I hear immediately is, "I need help." And I was not expecting to hear that voice. And uh-huh. I can never remember what it was it's called. Like a robot but it's, voice? It's someone who is using, yeah, one of the devices to help them speak. Oh, one of those throat things. Yes, yes. So I'm 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 right away, you know, all I can think of is kind of a speak and spell for yeah, yeah. those who are listening who know what a speak and spell is. That's what I'm imagining uh-huh, here, right? Uh-huh. 
So I'm I'm taking this call. This person is is having an argument with uh with their daughter. And again, nothing physical. They're just in a verbal argument. We've got mm-hmm. officers screaming that way to make sure that nothing escalates, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm keeping them separated. And I got the name Carl from the person that I was talking to. And I kept saying, Carl, you know, things will be all right. Carl, make sure just to stay separated, mm-hmm. continue and continue and continue until the officers get there. And I say, all right, Carl, the officers are are, are, are there. Make sure the door is unlocked. They're going to be coming in. And Carl had had enough because at the end, Carl says, my name is not Carl. It's Carol. Immediately in my head, I'm thinking, oh, no. And I said, I am so sorry. And Carol ends up saying next, this thing makes me sound like a man. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) So, I mean, we always have to be professional, right? But at that moment, I had to laugh with Carol because she cracked the joke. So I laughed with her and I said, I hope everything will be okay." And I apologize again. And we hung up. And I'm just sitting there and my partners in the room are laughing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Oh, boy. So then um, how can people like what are you mostly like out training now? Are you writing books? Like what are you what's your day to day? So my day to day right now is I am um, recording episodes for Within mm-hmm. the Trenches podcast. True stories from the 9 dispatchers who live them. And it's called and In I'm- the Trenches podcast. Uh, within the trenches within okay yes yeah within the trenches and uh it's on you know every every platform that you can listen to your favorite podcast uh-huh. and uh so it, I'm, I'm working on that but i'm also uh teaching as well so i go to different conferences mm-hmm. and i do the imagine listening sessions uh also recording episodes with attendees but i'm doing keynotes uh just really sharing my story but also talking about you know leadership storytelling for recruitment and I actually have an eight-hour class that I'm doing tomorrow in Ohio at a conference with uh, about 75 dispatchers, and I'll be okay. teaching for for that whole time. So that's that's what I'm doing now. Also, in in the back, you can see this, but in the back, for those who are listening, um, I do screen printing as well. So I'm also a graphic designer, and for the merchandise that I have for the podcast, I do all of it by hand. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, I, I was wondering printing. what was going on. I can't quite see all behind you. So, okay. How can people get a hold of you and get involved? Or what's like, if they want to know more, what's their next step? So for people to learn more, the, the place that you can find me at to, to make it easy and simple, mm-hmm. it is links.co. And that's links with two eyes.co slash WTT podcast. And that is my bio page. And that has everything that you could ever want on there to email all of my social media, where to okay. follow, where to listen to the podcast, where to pick up a book, where to be a supporter and uh, where you can find merchandise as well. So it's, it's all there. Got to do it. Handmade merchandise. Who can say no to that and support a good cause <laughs> at the same time? Well, Ricardo, thank you so much for coming on truth, lies and cover-ups. Anytime you want to come back with stories, you got to call me, let me know. Perfect. I'm all about it. Thank you so much. It's been an honor.